So last week, uh, we began the Resurrection Effect series by looking at the last chapter of Matthew, and we talked about how uh, the effect of the resurrection of Jesus uh, was one of fear and great joy on the part of the women who first heard the news, uh, disbelief and deception on the part of the chief priests, and worship and doubt for the disciples. Uh, So today, as I mentioned earlier, we move on to the Gospel of Mark, and we look at at the last chapter of that Gospel, Mark 16, uh, which is a very unique uh, chapter, which we're going to be talking about uh, quite a bit today. Uh, So let me start with this, and um, yeah, let let me just do that. Virtually every biblical scholar agrees that the first original version of Mark ended at verse 8. And uh, so in the first place, Mark's story ended where this first section that we're about to look at ends. Now, we're going to be talking a lot more about this later, so please uh, don't let that worry you, if anything that I've said has so far. Uh, But for now, let's go ahead and begin uh, with the first, and in some ways at least the last, eight verses of Mark 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. So at first glance, uh, we're confronted with a few problems right off the bat as we look at these eight verses. Uh, First of all, you might have noticed that there are some apparent differences, at least, between what Mark says here and what Matthew said in our reading from last week. So, for example, who came to the tomb? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, or Mary Magdalene, the Mary the mother of James, and Salome? Did they see the angel who rolled away the stone or not? What about the guards? If these things trouble you, now let me say to you what the angel said to the women. Do not be alarmed. There are several ways uh, to think about this sort of thing. One helpful analogy that I've heard is to think of the four gospel accounts uh, really as what they are, eyewitnesses, four eyewitnesses of the same event, and then think about four eyewitnesses to like a car accident or something like that. Each individual witness will recount the story from his own perspective. Uh, One will share some details that the others don't. Uh, One will highlight a certain aspect that they find especially important that the others don't. Um, I think that's a pretty helpful analogy overall, uh, but with one minor caveat. At a car accident, the eyewitnesses may or may not be reporting everything 100% accurately. Their stories might conflict because they, they might not remember every detail, or they might have thought that they saw something that they really didn't, or something like that. 
With the Gospels, on the other hand, we can be certain, because they are the inspired word of God, that every detail they report to us is accurate. So there are many people who have made harmonies of, of the four Gospels to try to demonstrate how these four you know, really do tie together, fit together seamlessly. Um, and so if, you know, if this is something that interests you or something that you're, you're troubled by, let me know. I can point you in that direction. Uh, but the main point is this. In the end, uh, we may not have all of the answers for how they fit together, but we can rest assured that they fit together. So let's keep that in mind uh, as we now look at, at what Mark is trying to do as he ends his narrative where he does. What's his main point? Again, last week we highlighted that, that Matthew said the reaction of the women was one of fear and great joy. Here in Mark, the emphasis is, is more on portraying their reaction as one of fear and silence. Of course, at first glance, this seems to be somewhat of a contradiction. But at second glance, now we can see that Mark is not contradicting anything Matthew has said at all. In fact, he agrees with Matthew that the initial reaction of the women was one of fear. But he chooses to end his telling of the events right at that point, right before the, the great joy really began to take effect, before the women did go on to tell the disciples and, and met the risen Jesus on the way. Mark ends his account before all of that. Would you read this with me? And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The end. <laughs> Wait, what? Why on earth would Mark end right there? Well... The fact that Mark's gospel exists at all is uh, pretty clear evidence that the women did eventually at least go on to tell somebody after this. And this section itself makes it very clear that the resurrection of Jesus did happen. But Mark ends his narrative in a very clever literary fashion. He leaves us with the image of the women terrified and stunned speechless. It's an incredibly compelling cliffhanger like the way the show Dallas famously ended with a mysterious gunshot, or how the screen went black mid-scene to end The Sopranos. Now, I actually haven't seen either of those TV shows, uh, but speaking of TV shows, um, I have another video clip I'd like to share with you to kind of get at uh, what we're talking about today. Last week, I introduced you to The Carbonaro Effect, which is a show uh, starring magician Michael Carbonaro. It's a hidden camera magic TV show where he plays magic tricks on people who have no idea he's a magician. Uh, so today, I want to show you a video where he's in a science lab, and he convinces this woman that she is witnessing something spectacular. So here's what happens. This would be kind of fun to mess with, like, the laws. We're always messing with the laws of science, but, like, in a science classroom, I wonder if it would be, like, more believable. How far can we go? You wait and see. Come on in. We'll be working in here today. They just mop, so be careful. Okay, guys. Yeah, maybe you want to walk around this way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can work on that side of the table. I'll come over here. Yeah, they do different lectures and things in these rooms, so we're going we're gonna to get this all cleaned up for tonight because sure. they have a class coming in. So, what are we looking at? 
You know, there was like a, a meteor crash in the Mojave Desert, and they picked up pieces from around the crater. The crater. Mm-hmm. And these were around it, so the oh, dust. Oh, so it's like What you should put gloves on. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so these just happened to be around it when the meteor. Exactly right. So we're gonna we're gonna put these samples into jars. So oh, you could take cool. that jar. Oh, cool. Got you. Yeah. Looks like a seed pod, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And I'll take these little fragments. Yeah. And what are these? The, you know, he was saying something about exoskeleton. I don't know. I'm not. That's pretty cool. Exhibit B. Yep. And then there's this guy. I have no idea. Look at this thing. Ugh, I don't know. Yep. What What can we call it? Is that a space pod or a space seed? Came from outer space. You have gloves on. You can kind of feel it has a little bit of a, a little roughness to it. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Of course, I have an urge to crack it open. <laughs> oh, no, that's crazy. <laughs> What's Ooh. it? <laughs> that's not funny. That's not funny. Okay, come on, come on. That is the worst. Oh. <laughs> I'm oh. sorry. I'm not laughing, but I'm laughing. I can't believe this is happening. No, I know. Wait. Wow. Look at that. Well, that was in the water for like a second and it just like swelled up. It's still even, it's still solid. Yeah. The middle's kind of soft here. That is so straight. Uh oh. Oh, that has like a. What is in there? I see something. Look at that. Oh! <gasps> it is totally moving. It's still alive. It's a creature from outer space. This is amazing. <laughs> what? what is that? <laughs> oh my gosh. That thing is alive. Oh, oh my, my. It's breathing. Is it really moving? Look at the mouth underneath. Oh, that's little tendrils. It looks like some kind of space crab. So, <laughs> all right, okay, back, back to Jesus. Um, like the women at the tomb that first Easter morning, this poor woman cannot believe uh, what she's seeing, and she is terrified. I had to cut the clip a little short, um, but as the clip goes on, this space crab uh, transforms into two space crabs, and then he traps them under a metal bowl, and when he lifts the bowl, they've transformed into space kittens. Um, <laughs> So we laugh at this, uh, but imagine if you were in that woman's position, how would you have reacted? Almost certainly with fear. And to borrow words from Mark 16, you'd probably be seized with trembling and astonishment. In the same way, we may wonder how it's possible that the women who heard the good news of Jesus' resurrection reacted with fear and silence, but imagine if you were in their position. And now we have arrived at Mark's main point. You are in their position. By stopping his narrative almost mid-sentence, by cutting to black mid-scene, Mark is inviting you as his reader to join in his story. Consider the position that the women are in at this point. They've come to the tomb, they begin to investigate what's happened, and then they're given this unbelievable news 
As of yet, they've not seen Jesus, and the only evidence they have that this claim is true is the empty tomb. It's understandable that fear and great trembling seize them. What were they to make of all of this? They were given a command to go and to tell others what had happened, but what exactly had happened? Would they believe the unbelievable word of the angel? Would they be bold enough to go and share that unbelievable word themselves? Mark tells us what their initial reaction was. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and great astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Like the women, you have in one way or another investigated what happened on that Sunday morning long ago. Like the women, you have received unbelievable news from an unusual source. Like the women, you have not yet seen Jesus with your own eyes. And like the women, I'm willing to bet that you are no stranger to fear. What are you going to do? How are you going to react? How does the story of Jesus continue in your life? One of my professors from the seminary, who's an expert on Mark, says, this is what Mark's gospel is all about. The ambiguity of the evidence, the necessity of believing in, faith, in the face of such evidence, and the reliability of Jesus' word. Are you going to trust in the word that you have received? Are you going to be the one to convey it on to others? Will your faith overcome your fear? We know from the other gospels that the women very quickly, in fact, realized that what had just happened in the resurrection of Jesus was meant to overcome all fear. And then they saw Jesus himself. One day, we too We'll see Jesus face to face. So even now, we don't have to be afraid that our sins are going to keep us away from him. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to fear any enemies at all because Jesus is alive. To wrap up this little section, I want to say one other thing we've kind of skipped over. Peter also knew what fear was like. He was locked up with the other disciples, uh, probably mourning how he had denied Jesus three times. But did you notice the interesting feature in the angel's message to the women that is only recorded by Mark? It says this, Go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. Now, Peter was one of the disciples, but here he's singled out. Why? Well, partly because, as, as we've been taught from, from the very beginning, the early church uh, knew this and passed it along, the Gospel of Mark is kind of the, the gospel from Peter's perspective. Mark and Peter were, were traveling companions. But I think Peter is singled out here, especially because his sin was so grievous and his hurt was so deep. The message of Jesus' victory over sin and death was for everyone, but it was especially for Peter. And it is especially for you today. So when trembling and astonishment fill your heart, don't be afraid to go and tell the world that Jesus is alive. He is your light and your salvation. Whom shall you fear? He is the stronghold of your life. Of Whom shall you be afraid? So let's continue. Um, I may have caught you very much off guard earlier when I said that the original ending of Mark uh, stopped at verse 8. Isn't the word of God reliable? Can't, can't we trust the Bible? What's this all about? 
Well, yes, very much so. The word of God is incredibly reliable. We can trust it completely. And so uh, we need to understand that uh, very well before we go on. But when we do understand that, uh, we can go on to talk about how Mark 16, 9 through 20, which we're about to read together, is a bit of an anomaly. If you have a Bible with you, um, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, or if you just want to get your phone out and look it up on Google or something like that, uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 16 if you have the, the ability to do that. And uh, whether you do or not, I have a picture I'll share with you here. In almost every single English translation of the Bible, um, you'll see that these verses are actually in double brackets, um, as they are here. This is just the ESV. I picked it up from you know, a copy that we have just in the church office. Uh, what this means, and it actually has a little note there, the arrow's covering it up. It says this in most translations, too. Um, is that the earliest manuscripts that we have of Mark's gospel, the earliest handwritten copies, uh, don't have these verses there. It just ends at verse 8. So later versions um, of Mark in these manuscripts uh, do have these verses. But it seems to be the case that the words that we're about to hear were at some point, very early on, uh, but at some point added on uh, to what Mark had originally written. So, like I said before, don't let this trouble you at all. And if it does, come and talk to me sometime this week. Um, Because what this doesn't mean is that we should completely ignore these verses or throw them out. In fact, Martin Luther actually quotes one of these verses in a small catechism. Uh, The church has had very high regard for them uh, over the centuries. But it does mean uh, that we should understand that these do, in some way at least, constitute an addition to Mark's original ending. And take that into consideration as we read them. So that's why our our English Bibles mark them that way. And I thought that would be a helpful uh, kind of introduction. So, uh, having said that, now let's hear what they have to say. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, As they mourned and wept, but when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen." And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So if these words are an addition of some kind to the original version of Mark's gospel, what are we to make of them and what are we to do with them? Are they a helpful supplement and an epilogue, or are they maybe misleading or or even dangerous? Well, most of what is found here in these verses is found elsewhere in the Gospels, too. Um, So they're really not misleading or dangerous at all. 
unless they're misused, uh, like they have been by some fringe groups who actually have made it part of their worship uh, to handle deadly poisonous snakes. I'm not making this up. Uh, Some groups based on this verse have done that because uh, the verse says that they won't get hurt. Uh, Just to be clear, this is not an appropriate use of these verses, and many people who have done that have gotten very badly hurt. But even the verse that they misuse actually has support in other parts of Scripture, uh, like when Paul is bitten by a snake uh, toward the end of the book of Acts. You might remember this. I think it's on Malta. And he actually shakes off the snake into the fire and suffers no harm, even though everybody around him assumed he was going to die. So, while we, while we shouldn't necessarily view these verses in the exact same way as we do the rest of Scripture, they are still very beneficial for us. But how exactly did they come about? Well, we don't know for sure, but the general consensus is that they were written to to make the abrupt original ending of Mark that we talked about maybe a little bit more palatable, um, kind of like when they made a TV reunion movie for Dallas years later uh, that explained what happened with that mysterious gunshot. It seems uh, to be a safe thing, an accurate thing to say that that some early Christians, probably very early Christians, uh, sought to provide Mark's gospel with an appropriate and fitting conclusion, uh, one that's maybe a bit more satisfying to some people than the one that, that kind of leaves you in the lurch with the women fleeing in petrified silence, uh, because we know that's, there's more to the story, right? So picking up on truths that we know from the other Gospels, we're told of how Jesus first appeared to Mary Magdalene, as we learned in John 20. We talked about that in our Connect Easter service a few weeks ago. Uh, We're told then of how Jesus appeared to two of his followers while they were walking along in the country, um, as we'll talk about next week as we look at the Gospel of Luke. So maybe the early Christians who who tacked this information on to Mark's Gospel felt the original ending... uh, either not necessarily to be inadequate, but knew that some people would feel that way. And and so they went about filling in the story uh, with the other details that they knew. Do we ever look at the story of our redemption, bought by the blood of Jesus, in a similar way? I think sometimes we do look for that Hollywood ending, uh, where everything's wrapped up in this beautiful little package by the end, kind of supposing, if not consciously, at least subconsciously, that now that Jesus is risen from the dead, if that's really true that he's alive, you know, everything ought to be perfect. But then we realize that's not the way things are, not yet. So we tend to ask questions in our hearts like, if death has been defeated, you know, why is my grandmother dying painfully of cancer? If all of my sins were left in the grave forever, Why do they still hurt me so much? If God has judged and defeated evil, why is this world in so much agony? Why is it torn apart by wars and hatred and sin? Sometimes we are tempted to fill in the story, and if we're not careful, we might fill it in with the wrong information. Even if verses 9 through 20 are filling in the story to make it it more fulfilling for some, at least they're giving the right information. And more than that, verses 9 through 20 are actually exactly the type of response that verses 1 through 8 is inviting. As we said before, the original ending of Mark invites us actively to join in the salvation narrative that has reached its climax 
in the resurrection of Jesus. It asks us, what will we do with this story? Well, what will we do? We'll fill it in. That is the invitation that, that God lays before you today to conquer fear and to go out and speak about Jesus and the new life that his resurrection has won for us. There may have been times in the past where you were scared into silence when the name of Jesus was not to be found on your lips. But today, that changes. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, This week, I want you to count how many times outside of, of church or kind of a churchy setting, the name of Jesus is found on your lips. Now, I'm not talking about as an expletive. And if that's the case in your life, that's a habit that that should change right now as well. But take note of how often you bring up Jesus and his resurrection in conversation. See what you can do to increase that. Find ways to share the right information, the very good news, that even though the world is not yet as it soon will be, Jesus is alive. And he's making all things new. We have nothing to fear. And we have the greatest news in all the world to share. So let's do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.